Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It is only with the greatest trepidation and humility that any pastor or preacher should approach a gospel text that speaks of shepherds, whether good or bad. For when the Holy Scripture speaks of bad shepherds, it takes to task those who were called to lead God's people in faithful obedience, but who fell down on the job and chose their own selfish paths. Bring up those sorts of bad shepherds, those wicked kings and false prophets and evil priests which seem to plague Israel one after another throughout their history, and it's a good chance that the pastor will find himself lumped in with that crowd, at least in the minds of some. On the other hand, preach any text which describes any good shepherd, especially the good shepherd, and you beg comparisons with our Lord and Savior, the very Son of God. That's a standard you can't hope to approach, even in your best hour on your best day. So why even attempt it? Nevertheless, biblical language is replete with pastoral language. References to shepherd and sheep abound throughout. To attempt to steer clear of them for fear of comparison is to fail in proclaiming the fullness of God's Word, only making one's contrast to the Good Shepherd all the more vivid and obvious. But there's no shame in the shortfall, not really, to have the expectation that any of us, pastor or not, and regardless of our good intentions, might be favorably compared to Christ our Lord would be merely the coarsest of arrogances. The sooner and the more frequently we cast our illusions to the ground and dash our pride at the foot of God's throne, the better. We are imposters, thieves and robbers, all of us. Repent, and hear not your own deceitful voices or that of the Prince of Lies but the voice of God. As St. John records it in our Gospel lesson for this day, Jesus gives the first two of three analogies regarding shepherds, sheep, and sheep gates. Make no mistake, Jesus is preaching in this text to both his disciples and some Pharisees. This sermon comes right on the heels of Jesus' encounter with the blind man who had been given his sight only to be thrown out of the synagogue by the Pharisees. In a horrible case of injustice, this man had been cured of both physical and spiritual blindness. Yet Israel's appointed shepherds denied him access to the fellowship he desired in his local community of faith. But along came Jesus, the true priest and temple, and the man had worshipped the Son of God in faith. The Pharisees, however, remained blind to the signs of the Savior that Scripture had foretold and refused to hear Jesus' words. And in their blindness, they continued to lead those who would follow them into a pit of doubt and despair and death. And as he had warned them of their blindness and the guilt that it caused to remain, he warns all of us who would hear of other dangers to our souls. In the first analogy, Jesus doesn't speak directly of himself. Instead, he speaks in the third person, 
referring to a shepherd and a watchman, a thief and a robber. It is the latter's actions which are described to us first. The thief and the robber works outside the bounds of God's plan. He chooses his own path, and it's not the path God intended for either the shepherd or the sheep to follow. Thieves, for example, steal by deception, by craftiness, and by attempting to avoid detection. And robbers, robbers steal by direct confrontation, challenging their victims to comply with their demands or face the consequences. As we come to contemplate and understand this story better, we should begin to recognize that Jesus isn't speaking of figurative persons here as the thief and the robber, is he? No, not at all. Rather, it should dawn on us that the one who takes the sheep away from the shepherd, the watchman, and the sheepfold by deception, craftiness, and direct challenge is none other than the master of deception, Satan himself. It is he who wants to decimate the flock and to pull away the sheep, both young and old. But he dare not come through the gate, for there both the shepherd and the watchman will confront him and drive him away before he can do any harm. The thief and the robber can only succeed when he catches the sheep alone in a weak moment, apart from the shepherd's protection. The shepherd, however, we learn, does things by the book. He's not deceptive or sneaky. He approaches directly and openly, coming to the sheep and making himself obvious, as direct and obvious as God's clear message of Scripture. That's how our shepherd, Jesus, comes to all of us. The watchman, it's clear, is some sort of under-shepherd. He takes care of the sheep and protects them during the time that the shepherd himself is not visibly present. But when the shepherd approaches and wishes to enter in, access is readily and eagerly granted, and the shepherd takes charge of the flock. The shepherd's voice is clear and unmistakable to those who belong to him. He can identify every one of them by sight, and he calls each and every one of them by name. They follow at the urging of his voice, eager to journey along with him, to tread along the paths on which he will take them. They do not have to be driven or cajoled. Those who follow the shepherd, who belong to this flock, we are told, can never be led away by a stranger. Rather, they will flee from the voice of him to whom they do not belong. It all sounds quite idyllic, doesn't it? A safe sheep pen, a secure gate, a vigilant gatekeeper, and a familiar, caring shepherd who goes before us to show us the way. What could be easier? What could be more pleasant and more desirable? It beats me, and I'm sure you're left baffled all the time, too. Even when we remember and we trust in the Word of God, which has called us to Christ's flock and given us the faith to trust in Him alone, you and I go out of our way to make things more difficult. 
It's part of that tension in living our simul justus et peccator existence in this current world. The one where the thief and robber was banished to from heaven long ago and where he is still allowed to roam. But even if he weren't so eager and determined to crawl into the sheep pen and steal us away, we frequently run headlong into the fence and sprint willingly away from the shepherd and the watchman, just as eager and determined to leap out of the pen and into danger. After all, it's exciting out there, isn't it? We wouldn't be trapped inside this restrictive pen. We're free to roam around the countryside. We can nibble at whatever looks green and pretty, drinking deeply of whatever waters we come across whenever we want. Never mind that sometimes the lushest, prettiest, tastiest plants we come across can be highly toxic to us sheep. Never mind that those alluring springs that seem so cool and refreshing can pour forth bitter, poisonous water. And those roaring lions and those ravenous wolves will come across out there on our own? Why? I'm sure they'll be amply frightened off by the sound of our vicious bah. The fact is, you haven't got a prayer out there, or even here in the sheep pen, without the shepherd, and neither do I. If you want to dwell around the fringes of the sheep pen, near the wall where it's easy for the thief and the robber to reach in and grab you, you're a fool. If you want to hide in the shadows, far from the watchful eye of the gatekeeper, you're not real bright. If you want to jump over the fence and wander around in the wilderness without the shepherd, you're an idiot. That's the way it always is when we trust in ourselves and in our own intellect or feelings or judgment or works. These all will fail us because we are not involved in a fair fight. The deck is stacked against us, and we're fighting foes that are craftier, smarter, stronger, and more persistent than we can ever be. That's why you need the shepherd, and that's why you need the flock. We don't come here together every week because Christ needs us. We're not doing him a favor by showing up. This service, and every service rightly done according to his will and his word, is his gift to us. It's time spent here in the fold with his flock, hearing his voice and being prepared to be led forth by our shepherd. We're not meant to live isolated lives away from the shepherd or to separate ourselves from his flock. We're not equipped to go it alone among the thieves and the robbers that would steal us away, or out there among the wild animals that would devour us at a moment's notice, without hesitation, without remorse. Even though Jesus doesn't explicitly refer to himself in this first analogy, it's apparent that he's not just talking about an earthly shepherd. He's not giving the disciples and the Pharisees a life lesson on the science of managing their mutton and wool futures. He's pointing them to the reality of their needs. Sheep need a safe environment. Sheep 
need a watchman. And above all else, sheep need a shepherd, one who is recognized and who is let in by the watchman, a shepherd who leads his sheep with a familiar, comforting voice. After showing them their needs, Jesus goes on to tell them that he is the solution to their needs. As the gate for the sheep, he is the one who admits them to the sheepfold. He is the one who gives them access to the protection of both pen and watchmen. And he is different from all of those who had previously claimed to be the ones who would provide them relief. Read again what Jesus has to say about himself and what he will do for those of us he has called to be into his flock. Whoever enters the sheepfold and flock through him will be saved. It is through him that we receive the true freedom to come in and to go out. Not just the ability to wander as we will please, but to have a true calling to serve him constantly. It is through him that we are assured that we will indeed find pasture, a place of rest and refreshment beyond the bounds of the sheep pen. It may seem strange to us that Jesus can speak abstractly about being a shepherd in one breath and then of his being the gate the next. But we have to be very careful not to handcuff God or to fit Jesus into boxes of our own construction. St. Paul has written elsewhere in referring to the power of Christ to reach people of all backgrounds and all sorts of circumstances that Christ is all and in all. He can be and he is your shepherd. He can be and he is your gate to salvation and to all of the blessings your heavenly father wishes to share with you. Listen to his voice. Do not stray. Do not follow that great thief and robber who wishes to steal your soul and to kill and to destroy your life. Instead, let Jesus be all and in all for you. Christ your shepherd. Christ your gate. Christ your baptism. Christ your absolution. Christ your supper. And above all, Christ, your forgiveness, salvation, and life eternal. Enter him, the gate, with thanksgiving, and dwell in his courts and in his sheep pen with gladness. And your shepherd will give you life abundantly, for he has called you to be his own. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.